Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Bells fans? Happy New Year. Welcome to the first episode of The Bird Calls in, I want to say, two and a half weeks. We sure have fallen off the horse along with the Pelicans. I'm your host and contributor to TheBirdRights.com, Preston Ellis. Today, we're going to talk Bells with the whole squad. First up, editor-in-chief to TheBirdRights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. What's going on, man? What's up, buddy? <laughs> I've got nothing. I'm just happy I'm not sick. I know we're going to get to the bad stuff, so let's at least be positive for a few minutes. <laughs> that, that's true. I know at least three of us were down for the count last week, so good that we're all back to full health. Uh, next up, let's go on. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. And to Mr. Kevin Barrios, the number one fan of Ed Davis and Spencer Dinwiddie. It must have been fun for you watching those guys ball out last night. Uh, I wouldn't call it fun uh, because they were playing my number one team but yeah the nets have sort of become uh my my farm team i guess not really my farm i guess kind of my intended fake gm farm team because they're going to poach a bunch of their players but um i yeah i enjoy that team they have a lot of players i like so i watch them when i can so I mean, i'm happy they're they did good but you know other than that yeah, definitely. I think the Pelicans have to be considered the farm team at this point, and uh, the Brooklyn Nets are their mothership. Finally, uh, we've got the accountability doctor, our own resident negative Nancy, Mr. David Grubb. What's going on? I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling better. I was down, like you said, down for the count for about six days. I don't have to be negative Nancy. Not that I'm, not that there's anything wrong with Nancy, but, you know, <laughs> you know, negative Nate, negative, you know, Norman, I don't know, you know. All right, negative Norman. Uh, I learned my lesson last podcast when I tried to throw you a softball positive question and it completely derailed the episode. So I, I know better at this point. Yeah, 
All right, you guys, the Pelicans are in a tailspin at five games under 500. They've lost seven of nine. Their body language to close is very telling, but most disappointing of all is the root cause behind the free fall. It's just effort. It's always been effort and basketball IQ. Last night's story was the abysmal performance of the Pelicans bench, negative 21, negative 15, and negative 12 box uh, plus minuses to Frazier, Miller, and Hill. But whether it was the bench or the starters on the floor, the Pelicans routinely failed to match up on defense, failed to communicate, and as always, they're struggling to close out on the perimeter. Anthony Davis said they didn't play well tonight. He was referencing the bench, but we know they'll be fine most games. But it wasn't on our bench the way we started the game. That was on the starters. We're the ones who let the lead get to what it was. Most concerning of all of this, was the ease in which the Nets were able to get to the basket against the bench and the starters. The blame goes to all involved. Drew for switching without communicating. More for uh, absence of mind on that transition pushing pass from Drew that bounced right off his chest. AD arguing calls, forcing more to defend Jared Allen, and then uh, have to match up with Dinwiddie, who had a full head of steam and got right to the basket around him. Julius Randle, non-existent paint presence on the defensive end. As good a rebounder as he is, I, I think you'd swear he wasn't on the court until the ball starts flying through the air. And then finally, Alfred Payton. His return has not been good enough for a team that allowed 73 first-half points. I mean, he certainly did his part, which ruins any victory lap Grubb and I were planning on taking back in August. I mean, he's been impressive in his six games. It's certainly not his fault in an early sample size. But the frustration has reached its boiling point, not, not just for us blog boys. Del Demp's wife, Anita, posted a gif of pouring wine. Lauren Holiday, Drew's wife, posted, I obviously think the world of my husband, but he has to be more aggressive offensively. I just don't get the game plan every game. I'm so frustrated. I can't imagine how they feel. Anthony Davis said, we didn't play any defense. They did whatever they wanted. They didn't feel us on the defensive end. We weren't physical. We weren't talking. They got a lot of layups, a lot of threes. They shot the ball extremely well due to our lazy defense we'll begin with our lord and commander ali last season the wolves made the playoffs with a 17 to 24 road record however the pelicans right now are just four and 16 gun to your head are the pelicans going to miss the playoffs yeah yeah i mean i don't think there's no question that you've got to lean towards that side after everything we've seen after all the excuses and here's the biggest thing you you're seeing you know the, the general manager's wife the, the wife of one of the best players on the Pelicans team, they're frustrated. And everybody's almost got an opinion on it, too. So it goes to show you that it's getting everybody, and there's more than just one issue. So I love it when we're getting all these pigeonhole answers like last night's game. I've just got to quickly mention, the Pelicans bench, sure, they didn't score, guys, but they took seven shots. And when a team scores 121 points overall, you expect them to win. So we're going to get to all that, I'm sure. But again, there's just a lot of frustration in the air, and rightfully so. And, you know, they're feeling it, Preston. I think that everybody kind of can see the writing on the wall or it's beginning to dawn on the realization of the fact that they are legitimately headed for not making the postseason. Yeah. All right, we're going to go ahead and skip Kevin just for now, and I'm going to go straight to David. Uh, there's blame to go all around, as Ali said. It's not just one thing. You can't finger point anything specifically from the starters to the bench to Gentry, who can't seem to get these guys to compete from the tip, to Ehrman, whose defense slipped uh, last time I checked to 26th in the NBA. Uh, the overarching theme is that nobody is doing enough top to bottom. What happened between last March and April and now, David? I think the primary thing is that nobody heeded the words of uh, Del Demps and uh, Del Demps and um, Alvin Gentry uh, when the season ended, and they said that the win over Portland in the playoffs was fool's gold, and that advancing to the next level was going to be very hard for this team. Um, I think people just assumed that, hey, we swept the Trailblazers, um, we gave the Warriors a run in a couple of games, we are now in the upper echelon with, of teams if we're healthy, 
And um, that's just not the case. There are flaws on this team on a number of levels. The bottom of the roster, uh, you know, it took a long time for them to put that together. I think that affected chemistry this offseason. Uh, the way Boogie and uh, Rajon Rondo left certainly affected the locker room as well, um, whether it was talent-wise or personality-wise. Um, Anthony Davis, changing agents, being a new father, all those things have, have affected his focus in one way or another, and those are adjustments that have to be made. Drew Holiday becoming um, breaking from a guy who's underrated to being a guy who's now considered one of the elite guards in the league and him finding his position within the organization. Um, you know, those are all different things. And uh, I think there's been so much adjustment um, but for each other. But then the, the things that had worked last year have not. Uh, you know, Darren Ehrman, like you said, defensively, um, this group has not progressed. You don't see the fundamentals defensively that you'd like to see beyond um, strategic uh, engagement. And then you talk about offensively. Um, I don't think the Pelicans have done a great job of incorporating the, the bottom half of the roster and understanding that they do the same things well that the top half does. So running the same offense with that group is almost impossible. So I think there's, yes, there's plenty of blame to go around. You can't drop it at the foot of one person or one group of people. It's just a systemic failure. And either you reboot at this point or you just keep um, playing this out and see what happens. Yeah, I think the most disappointing thing of all of it is the 7-8 and eight conference record against the Eastern Conference, among other things. Uh, just not suiting up to play against teams that the Pelicans have to have to beat. Kevin, the good news is the Pelicans have a nice upcoming slate of games. They've got the Cavs on the road, followed by the Grizz at home, the Cavs at home, and then the Wolves in Minnesota that they just beat uh, three days ago. Do you think there's time enough to turn this around? Uh, I mean mathematically sure there is but i just don't think that it's gonna happen unfortunately like um you you just keep hearing them say well we got time to fix this we got time to fix this as the hole gets bigger and bigger and um they're not really fixing it i mean they give you a game here and there that makes you think all right they're back they turn the corner like the game against the wolves the other day you know getting alfred payton back uh was a huge boost and uh, all of a sudden shots were falling again um people were engaged those sort of things. Um, but then the next day, the next game just totally laid an egg, you know? So there's a lot of problems. Like we said, with the roster, we've been saying that this team needs another point guard because as you see, whenever Alfred Payton is not out there, things just fall apart. Um, then, you know, you have other issues. I thought that going back to what David said, um, I thought we'd be a better defensive team this year because of getting Randall. I thought he was a more versatile defender but that seems to not have been the case. Um, I don't know. His rim protection hasn't been that great. Um, he, there's a lot of lapses. Anthony Davis is having a lot of lapses defensively. Um, so they're just not engaged. And of course, once Miritich comes back, maybe it improves a little bit when we're full, fully healthy. But then you have to think that, you know, some of these other guys who get hurt and miss games uh, pretty regularly haven't really yet. So there's going to be other lost games to other people. And we already have such a huge hole um, that without a major move or some sort of major shakeup or just a major increase in effort on a nightly basis. then you know, you can't think that things are going to turn around. We might put together a string of three or four wins here, like you said, on an easier slate, but then comes what, I mean, when we lose to, bad teams regularly so it's hard to really even guarantee that those are going to be wins so we'll see i mean 
I'm encouraged by when Alfred Payton's on the floor, um, if they can just find somebody else to help, you know, structure things uh, for this team because they apparently are lost on the court without a legit point guard out there. Um, it's just uh, frustrating. And, you know, Tim Frazier not not working at all. He had his moments earlier on in the starting lineup. Once he's out of the starting lineup, I don't know what happens to him, but even when he was starting towards the end, you know, it started to catch up with him, his lack of ability to defend. He Nobody really respects him offensively, so even when he gets to the basket, nobody really collapses on him, um, which is much different than when Elfer Payton is in there. You know, people uh, gravitate towards him so he can kick out or he's able to finish at the rim, unlike Tim Frazier. Um, so... And he's, a, you know, a better defender. He has a better body to defend first off. You know, it's, he's a bigger guy with a longer wingspan. Um, so, I don't know. There's just so many problems, like you said. But I think mainly if we could just get a second unit point guard or a guy that's locked in for to be the future at point guard, because, look, Elford's not even locked in for the future, then the team will be in a little bit better situation. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to turn this thing around either. Ollie, do you think the Timberwolves matchup was a bit of fool's gold just considering they played the night before in Miami uh, and they were down Derrick Rose and Jeff Teague? Why do you think the Pelicans played so differently in that matchup sans Anthony Davis? You know, I could go any which way with this answer, honestly, because that's how this team goes, Preston. I mean, you honestly don't know who you're going to get on that night, really. You know, by the way, Julius Randle, when he scored 33 points in that game against Minnesota, he was sick. You know, so he went out there. He wasn't at 100%. And he put forth that effort and had that kind of result. And uh, so it really does come down to effort and the way this team functions together. Because last night, I mean, Nancy Lieberman kind of alluded to it in post game about you've just got to come out and prepare yourself regardless of what city you're in. So she was almost making an excuse that they might have been partying last night. Maybe there are other things going on, but either way, the focus wasn't there for the game and it was completely obvious to all of us. So if that continues to happen, then I don't think you can predict anything with this team. You can't explain anything that's happened in the past because you really don't know which team are you getting. I mean, obviously against Minnesota, I thought they looked keyed in right from the start and they played like it. Last night, most definitely not. And like I said, it wasn't just the reserves. It was the starters, too. It wasn't until, you know, late in that third quarter, early start of the fourth, that we saw them kind of give that push. Everybody starting putting forth second efforts, uh, doing all the things you need to do to win. So, Preston, I don't think that's, an, that's a question that anybody, I think, can, should answer. Let's just put it that way. Should answer, because there's not really one reason for it. Um, I know I've given you a roundabout answer, but really that's what this team has done with their results, with their effort, game after game. And I'll just say this. We've been talking how bad their shooting has been, you know, pretty much throughout the year. They need help. They need more shooters from the outside. Well, over the last three weeks, they posted the seventh best three-point shooting percentage. And in three of those games, they've been over, I want to say like 43 44% for the game and lost three of them. You know, that was the losses like last night to Brooklyn, where they shot 43 and a half. They lost to Milwaukee, where they shot 452 and then against Dallas, that loss out in, in Dallas, 44%. So I just don't understand. Last year, when this team played and shot this well, they didn't lose those games. This year, they are. So you've got to look deeper. It's an effort thing. It's a character thing. They're not bringing it every game. 
No, and we've definitely got a lot of questions about uh, what kind of help the Pelicans can add between now and the end of the trade deadline. But simply the the shooting, the offense hasn't been the problem. It's been the catastrophic failure of the defense. Mm -hmm. And our first question uh, from MC Tooman, David, simple question. Why isn't the leader on defense directing traffic, calling switches, et cetera? Obviously, he's referencing Anthony Davis, but they are missing some kind of backcourt or frontcourt leader on that end of the floor. Why aren't these guys communicating? How can these? How can Darren Ehrman fix this defense? Well, that that's a question that it shouldn't be on the coaching staff to solve, even though that's their job. I mean, communication is that's that's one of the first things you learn in basketball is talking uh, to, and you know re- helping your man, calling out screens, identifying switches before they happen. All of those things are things that players have been taught from the beginning of their basketball careers. The reason they don't do it is because they're not committed to it. And it's that simple. Now, the other part of it on the coaching staff is the accountability. What are you doing to make sure guys are accountable? And so the obvious thing that people will go to is say, well, Rondo did all that last year. That may be true. I mean, you know, we'd have to check. But, yeah, certainly he was vocal and certainly he spent a lot of time talking about positioning on defense and on offense. Um there is not that leader. There's not a person. I don't think Alfred, again, you bring in a guy like Alfred Payton, who for his talents is still not a vocal guy. You have Drew Holiday, who's not a vocal guy. You have Anthony Davis, who's not a vocal guy. You have Solomon Hill, who tries to be vocal when he's on the floor. You can actually hear Solomon Hill when you're up in the press box at the Smoothie King Center trying to talk to his other teammates. But Darius Miller's not a vocal guy. So you show me the guy who's, the, who's going to be the defensive leader, and then maybe you could start fixing it. But you have a bunch of players on the floor in your starting lineup who are not vocal. And then if you take Julius Randle, a guy who's just not good defensively, as, as we may have thought he was going to be. So it's, I don't see an easy fix for that either. It's, it's the personnel is part of the problem, and you can't change those guys. Kevin, I, I had a different question for you, but I'm going to follow up to David's question. Obviously, I was uh, more upset than most with the departure of Rajon Rondo, as evidenced by our by our DM thread with the rest of the Bird Rights crew. Um, for all the reasons that David said, it wasn't his impact on the court so much as it was his leadership qualities. Do you think the Pelicans are necessarily really missing Rajon Rondo, or do you think it's just a lack of urgency overclouded by everything happening with Anthony Davis and clutch sports and the rumor mill, what is contributing to all this this failure on that end? Well, I'm sure that that stuff with Anthony Davis is a constant distraction. I mean, we've seen that from other teams that have gone through similar things that, you know, they say once the moves made it, like, you know, brought the locker room together or, it, you know, it, it alleviated this cloud over them that allowed them to focus more. And I'm sure, you know, whatever happens with Anthony Davis or not, the constant talk about it, and the constant, I mean, maybe they know already what his decision is. Maybe they don't. But, um, you know, that, that, whole, that whole scenario definitely will distract, distract the team and be a weight in the locker room. Um, but other than that, um, I mean, we've always said, I think all of us have always said that leadership was always a problem with this team. You know, from the time they got Drew and AD, um, those guys were supposed to be the leaders, but then Tyreek Evans was kind of the leader because he was the vocal guy, um, the guy that had the swagger, the guy who talked. And, you know, I'm a huge Tyreek Evans fan, but he's not the guy you really want to be the leader on your team. Um, and then those guys never developed as as leaders. And then you had 
strong personalities like DeMarcus Cousins, like Rajon Rondo last season. Rondo, obviously a great floor general, a good leader. You know, um, Boogie brought that that fire, that that sense of accountability, call, would call people out, challenge people um, if they're not performing uh, well enough, they're not playing hard enough. Um, they don't have those guys in the locker room now because, as David said, you know, it's just it's just a bunch of soft-spoken guys or guys that aren't fiery. Um, so leadership is certainly lacking, and that's one another thing that you would think if you were able to get another ball handler, another point guard, floor general, he might be able to bring some of that leadership skills because that's typically the position that it comes from, um, a guy who gets people in position and a guy on the back end that's seeing what's developing um, offensively and de- defensively. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they definitely I – I won't say that they definitely miss Rondo specifically. Sure, Rondo was good in that role, but I think there's other guys that they could bring in also um, for, you know – in ways that they could afford that could provide that as well. Um, you know, um, they wanted to bring Rondo back. We know that, but they couldn't compete with the, with the offer that the Lakers gave him. They just didn't have the money to pay him. Um, so they just needed to find another way to infuse leadership into this locker room because they keep relying on Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis to do it. And as great of players as they are, they just don't have that DNA to be those take charge leaders that this team needs um so yeah until they find somebody else that can do that then it's just going to be the same up and down constantly because there's nobody to take charge and write the ship uh just to set the record straight on something briefly Rajon Rondo recently had comments uh I want to say to Mark Spears of the undefeated where he said that he was willing to take a discount from the Pels but they simply never contacted him and I think it was a good 36 to 48 hours into free agency when he actually reached out and called the Pelicans and asked them anyway we're talking too much about Rajon Rondo but I just want to point out that if continuity is is such a staple of these franchises and how they string together wins and structure and successful seasons uh it's it's a bit concerning that no one even reached out and, and contacted him but with that being said um you know, maybe we're not in this position if Alfred Payton doesn't miss a month of basketball. Uh, Ali, uh, you can follow up on that if you want, but I've got another compelling question from you. This is from Finn. He says, if you could have a private conversation with Alvin Gentry, what would you say to him? I would first offer him my condolences. But uh, honestly, I would ask him to drop the soup going super small ball. Um, we saw it again last night. And Grant, like I said, the starters came out whiffed. And we've seen it previously, but when he goes to this really small lineup and last night, I think it was it Tim Frazier, Ian Clark and Frank Jackson were all on the court at the same time. The Nets just destroyed him. And that seemingly has been an issue all season long where Alvin's wanted to stay small, run, you know, basically push his strategy. And I just can't even recall one time of it working out for the guys. You know, I I fell asleep thinking about that. And I meant to look it up this morning, but I, I didn't have time. But if anybody out there wants to check on that, please do. But as far as I'm concerned, I think you've got to utilize, you know, the rest of your roster. And this includes probably your best reserve in last night's game, which is Jaleel Okafor, and he didn't even get any minutes. So for me, when you're not getting the rebounding, when you're not getting kind of the good shots and the other team is just running rough shot on you, change it up. Go ahead and throw that game plan out the window. And go ahead and throw Jaleel Okafor. Heck, put in Diallo in there at the same time. Maybe some energy from him, some scoring from Jaleel. 
might change things around a little bit sooner than, you know, what happened last night. So if I was to talk to Alvin, I would be like, please, let's not stay committed to this small ball because you don't have the personnel. You cannot rely just individually on Ian Clark, Frank Jackson, and Tim Frazier right now. But combined, I mean, that's just, you know, that's a recipe for disaster that anybody can see. All right. I'm looking that up for you right now. I'm on basketball reference. Uh, Before we – oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just want to add to that. Yeah, I mean, like, think of this. Ed Davis played 16 minutes last night. He had 12 rebounds, and he was up plus 26 on the floor. Like, you don't think Okafor could at least put a body on him and maybe limited some of that effectiveness? Uh, So I agree with you, especially with the way that Okafor has been playing lately. You know, he's been cooking in the post, and that's one thing if you have – you have when you have these units where Alfred Payton's off the floor and you don't have a floor general, you don't have an the offense devolves, but you can always throw the ball into a guy that's great in the post and let him work in the post and that can keep you afloat. And then at least he's down there boxing out and banging for rebounds. Uh, might keep the nets off the board, but that's all I want to add to that. Uh, one lineup I was able to find, Anthony Davis, Tim Frazier, Solomon Hill, Drew Holiday, and Darius Miller. That's negative 36 uh, per 100 possessions. But uh, I'll keep looking for for more of these to find the one that you're referencing last night. Since we're talking about Okafor, I've got a question somewhere in here, David. Let me just kill some time while I find it. <laughs> Any second now. <laughs> Okay, here it is. Charles Pierre, with Okafor showing promise, why don't Dell and Coach Gentry start him at center? AD doesn't want to play center, and it will give them a real lethal punch of Randall, Threecola, and Miller coming off the bench. Did the Pelicans forget that Jaleel Okafor did lead the 76ers in scoring during his rookie season? Uh, David, why not shake things up? Why not throw Okafor out there, give him some more minutes, and have Randall come off the bench, which is probably going to be his primary role once Nico's back anyway? Yeah, I think it, it probably solved that bench problem. And it also kind of sends the Pelicans back into that mode they had with Emeka Okafor last season, where you put a big guy to let AD play out of the post early on to get some free touches. And you just have that big in there and you say, protect the rim, grab some boards. And the one thing that Jaleel obviously can do that Emeka couldn't, was make moves in the post. And we see it every time he catches the ball, he faces up and immediately tries to, um, you know, survey and if he can attack the basket. So, yeah, I wouldn't be adverse to that. I think, you know, it puts Randall again in in favorable uh, matchups with the second unit. It makes him the focus of the second unit. Um, I think it, it, it impacts the spacing some because he and AD don't have to occupy the same space at, um, at particular times. Um, It would be something that I would try. But I don't, again, I don't understand what they've done with Okafor this season. I think he's been underutilized. Not that he's a guy who should get 25 minutes a night, but he should be getting double-digit minutes each night. The same with Czech Diallo. I think not that Diallo should be playing starter's role at all, but he should be getting those minutes because, again, if you're not seeing the activity, and Kevin was exactly right about that, if you're not seeing that activity, you're not seeing people keeping guys off the glass, then put in the guys who at least know how to do that and see what you're going to get. Because if they're giving you effort and intensity, that may transfer. But when you know that guys aren't producing, yeah, I don't understand why they haven't um, at least experimented with that. But that, that the trust that Gentry seems to have in both Diallo and Okafor um, fluctuates so much by game to game. And, and that's something that I'm confused by because typically great teams dictate to the other team what they're going to do. 
And the Pelicans seem to be a very reactionary team. And I think that that's part of the problem that they have not done as well this season um, also. All right, Kevin, uh, this one's from Positively Pelicans. He says, can the season be over already? <laughs> that's not uh, very positive, Positively Pelicans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but to follow up on that, A. Bravo says, is the season over? What are your solutions, Kevin? Uh, uh, it's not fun. Um, and so I, I watch basketball. I don't really, I mean, obviously I would love for the Pelicans to be a championship team, but that's not, I'm not one of those people that are championship or bust. I'm more in this for entertainment and enjoyment than like, I don't put a lot of stock in the importance of championships, I guess. Um, like for me, it's more aesthetic and fun and this hasn't been that. Um, of course there's been moments here and there, but it's just frustrating watching a team that should be much better than it is and much more fun than it is um, not not live up to those expectations. And I don't think that our expectations were too high. I think you look at the roster, you have two all-defensive players, you have two all-stars, you have two borderline all-stars, you have you know a, a solid point guard, you got some role players like Etwan Moore who's you know, shown that he can uh, – play really well. You got a redemption project in Okafor who, you know, was a third overall pick at one point who also has shown stuff, Um, you know, and I I just think the, the collapse and just the, the heaviness of this season um, is just taking all the joy out of it. So in a way it's over in that sense, because I don't know that it would get back to being fun again. Um, until things get shaken up, unfortunately, and it looks like that's the direction it's heading in, in some, you know, now depending on what that shakeup is, whether that's Anthony Davis leaving or being traded or just the rehaul of the front office and coaching staff or, you know, trimming around the edges, something's going to happen and something has to happen because you can't just keep rolling this out every night. Um, now I'm sure that there's trades that are being talked about already. Um, I'm sure there's things that are in the works and I think they'll probably, you know, try to put some band-aids in season and it might, you know, set us right. But of course it's going to set you back probably at first a little bit because, you know, you're integrating new guys into a new system with new teammates. So you can't expect it to take off right away. It's going to, there's going to be some learning curves and then you already dug yourself this hole. So it's hard to imagine that, the season can write itself. Um, and I, I don't see it happening. I think this season has been a total failure. Um, so something has to change. Ollie, just to take a victory lap for a second. I said on this podcast, I wrote about it. Uh, I tweeted about it. I just, I just consider each one more to be best suited to be in the starting lineup alongside Drew Holiday and mm-hmm. Anthony Davis. It just created the space that he needs to be an effective player. And it looks like it was right. But with that being said, by putting Etwan Moore in the starting role, you've got Darius Miller and Solomon Hill relegated back to the bench where you're seeing them both be less aggressive. And Darius Miller is someone who could benefit the Pelicans when he is aggressive. With Anthony Davis out of the lineup, he took 11 shots and resulted in 21 points. Other than that, the last four games, one of four, zero of two, two of five, two of nine. Darius Miller is not being as aggressive. I mean, that's the the tale old story is that Darius Miller is not aggressive. But with Anthony Davis off the floor, he did get up those shots a bit more frequently. How different is it for a player like Etwan Moore and Darius Miller to have those opportunities in the starting lineup versus coming off the bench with players like Tim Frazier and Solomon Hill? 
Well, you think it would obviously be easier because it opens up all sorts of lanes, um, you wide open looks because you're the fourth or fifth option, uh, staying next to guys like Drew and AD and Julius. But that doesn't work out like that. It's on the player to basically, you know, take it upon his shoulders to become involved in the offense. So when it swings to you, make a play, do something. And you know what? I feel like each one does that. As to where if you stick somebody else out there like Solomon Hill, Darius, those guys just get lost. They end up just staying in the corner or wherever they may be. But they don't get themselves involved. That's why I think it's very important that you keep each one in that starting line because he knows that role and he plays that to a T. I know he's got his defensive issues, but if you're Alvin, there's just no doubt in Preston, you're right. I think a lot of us even said that, you know, you got to move each one back in that starting lineup. So that that handles that. But you're right. As it's, it's up to the rest of the role players, the ones that, you know, haven't even found their niche yet to go ahead and find it. I mean, it's kind of inexcusable to me to see Darius play 30 minutes, get off four shots. You know, I know he got more than just four touches um, and he's watching everybody else around him do work. You kind of want him to do the same. I mean, it's really on him. It's really, as as Nancy Lieberman said, the 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 uh, the reserves should be a little embarrassed by their results in this game because they didn't do anything. I mean, we're just talking about scoring too, and I had a bigger issue with everything else they didn't do on the court, and that was to play tough defense, to get back, to make an assist, you know, make a play. You know, that that's what everybody misses. I feel like. You need guys to make basketball plays. It's not just about putting points. And you just didn't get it from any of the reserves. And, you know, the stars whipped there a little bit too, like I've mentioned. But the guys that are the role players, Preston, they, it's just their job. You know, that, that's why they're called role players. They just have to find and fill a need. And the Pelicans guys just simply haven't done it. Really, outside of Julius Randle off the bench all season long, I can't name one other guy that's even put two good games back-to-back. And that's a problem. Yeah, in uh, his last five games, when he's converted two or or when he's converted less than three shots, his uh, plus minus is negative 12, negative 13, negative three and negative 14. When he's not making baskets, he just doesn't help you. He just doesn't give you anything on the basketball floor unless he's making shots and taking shots at high volume. In addition to that, Tim Frazier uh, yesterday, David Grubb. He was something like a negative 21 in eight or nine minutes. And then uh, Alvin Gentry just resorted to playing the starters for the majority of the second half, not giving the bench uh, many minutes at all. And there was one specific possession. Uh, It was following a a free throw and it was rebounded by the offense. They kicked it out to the perimeter, knocked down a three-point shot. Tim Frazier didn't leave the paint the entire time. What's up with uh, his play now that he's coming off the bench? Yeah, I think it's difficult for Tim. to have to, to, to change his role so often. Um, you know, you, we've seen before where he gets hot for a stretch. And, and people, you know, last night after the game, again, the analysts were like, well, Tim, you know, he stayed ready and he started, and now he knows his role and he goes back to the bench and he should be able to be fine. But no, again, the skill set that Tim Frazier has is a very specific one and a very narrow one. Um, he can only do a couple of things well. One is push pace. And the other is he actually is a pretty – he's shot the ball fairly decently this year when he's been wide open. But outside of that, he doesn't really give you much. Um, and I don't think when you put him with a lot of the players on that second unit, he can be effective at all because none of them are movement guys. Um, you know, they're not guys who can work th- themselves open. And Tim is not the kind of guy who can break down a defense and create shots for other people. So if you put him in a position where he has to roam defensively, we know he's a poor defender. You put him in a position where he has to, and, and he wasn't the only one with poor man ball recognition last night. 
but it's it's one of the things he's done well. It's just yeah, to put a microscope on him and say you know look how bad he was doing this. If we if you play him extended minutes, that's going to happen no matter what. So Tim Frazier's a guy that if, he's kind of like a heat check reserve. If you bring him off the bench and he's doing what he does well, you play him. And if he doesn't, you leave him on the bench. The problem is the Pelicans have no other point guard to turn to. That's that's the bigger issue. Tim Frazier shouldn't be your backup point guard. You know that he's your break glass in case of emergency point guard. He is not your backup point guard, not for a contending team. David, here's a quick question, follow-up follow question for you. Would you have used Andre Harrison yesterday instead of Tim Frazier? After yeah, you saw the played. way things were going. Yeah, I mean, you give it a shot. I mean, you look at, like you said, look at the bench minutes, and nobody else outside of Darius Miller played more than eight. And you got a grand total. Everybody focused on the five points. You get four boards and one assist from the bench, too. So it wasn't just the points. I don't need points for my bench every night. You need contributions. So maybe if you get Harrison in with a little more size, yeah, maybe he, he does defend better, knowing that that's his role. Maybe he does take a jumper. We know he's not shy about shooting the basketball. So that's what I didn't understand is when you saw how effective uh, New, uh, Brooklyn's guards were. When Dinwiddie and um, – <clears throat> excuse me. When Dinwiddie's getting 18, and then you also have uh, – D'Angelo Russell getting, what, 22? You're getting 40 out of their backcourt. Well, why aren't you trying to put in somebody who may inject something different when you know what you're getting out of Tim Frazier? I, I, I don't understand the rotations on a night-to-night basis. It seems – there doesn't even seem to be a feel to it. It just seems to be a lot of guessing. Yeah, and those backcourt players have a lot of size, too, something that Tim Frazier is naturally going to have difficulty with. Uh, just to continue with that, some questions, Kevin, uh, from this one from Tejeda. He says, what is your bigger surprise? And I'll throw in a, a, a tweet that Ali just let out, basically that the Pelicans have been, last year when they scored at a high volume, they were something like 38-3. and three. This year, they're 16-12. and 12. Ali has the numbers for us. But what is your surprise, that the defense has been so bad, even when the offense is very good, Kevin, the rebounding or the lack of production from the bench? Uh, all three, uh, but the, the the defensive fall off is the most surprising to me because I thought we were going to improve in that area because I I thought we just added some better defenders. Um, now, of course, Elver Payton missed so much of the season. You know, maybe that starts to write things. But I thought, uh, and you know, Miritich has also been out. Um, but I I just thought Julius Randle was a better defender than he was. I think um, unless he's just not being used properly or something that I'm not seeing, but it just, I thought he would uh, really unlock a lot of defensive potential on this team. Um, and uh, I think, so I think the defense has to be the, the biggest, you know, concern when you look at, or the biggest letdown when you look at uh, what we were coming from last season, once Boogie went down, um, you know, you this team really notched it up defensively. They were playing a different style and, uh, it, it was encouraging. And then we added two guys who I thought physically were better defenders than the two guys they replaced. Now Rondo is a smarter player, you know, a headier guy, but I think physically Alfred Payton has the tools at this point in his career to, to be a better on court defender, not, not so much, uh, you know, an architect of a defense or a defensive leader, but just physically be able to do the job better. Um, so I thought we were, even going to take that a step further and we just really crashed a plane into the mountain on that end. So I think that's the the biggest letdown for sure. 
All right, Ollie. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, the, the remainder of our questions, I'll actually pose this to all three of you. They all um, go hand in hand with Dell Demps, Alvin Gentry, the Anthony Davis decision, and also President Mickey Loomis, Matthias Sejimo, and Tejeda. Matthias says, does ownership need to employ proper structure instead of having Loomis pretending to be the president of operations? Hire a person with an NBA background to manage the Pelicans instead. He also says, if it gets to a stage where AD asks for a trade, should Demps be the guy to make that trade? Does he deserve another chance to rebuild that roster? Sage Mo says, do you think Del Demps and Alvin Gentry should be given another chance in the event of Davis' eventual uh, departure? Here's my question to you, Ali. Obviously, we expect the Pelicans to do a little bit better with their upcoming slate of games, but should they not? When do we get to a point when the Pelicans brass has to decide whether or not they're going to keep Alvin Gentry and Dell Demps this season? Is that a move that you expect could be made in the next month? No, I think you've got to ride this season out simply because, you know, Anthony Davis's future hangs in a bounce. What I mean by that is you, you've got to give them until the end of the season to prove what last year, I guess, was looking more by each passing game, a fluke. You know, that the roster construction is no good. That what we saw last year was just, you know, a perfect, you know, lightning in a bottle where the Pelicans just played really well down the stretch with the guys they had, cost some teams that they probably, you know, easy matchups or whatever. Because let's face it, they were winning a lot of games down the stretch in clutch time moments. That's where this year they just fall off the map. So a lot of things are different from this year to last year. And the easiest way to do it is just go ahead and play the season out. Changing, I feel like, the GM right now, the coach right now, it's not going to provide the spark that I think that's going to bolster this team because we've seen all the issues on the court. It's not just, say, Alvin Gentry screwing up a rotation or two. And it's not something that a simple trade's going to fix where you add a guy, oh, that's been the missing piece. We've seen this team lose multiple different ways in just the last three weeks. And it's just been a theme all season long where people have pointed to, you know, bad starts you know like last year for instance everybody knew third quarters was a pelicans issue well this year you can't really put your finger on anything because any given game it is so that's why i think you just got to let it ride and by and and if they fail if you know heaven forbid but it's looking like it they miss the playoffs then that's when you make your decisions and that's when you try and maybe save anthony davis by saying look we're going to change everything around you to hopefully this will never be repeated again um so I would just go ahead and finish out the season. That's what I think we should all expect to happen. I know they're in 14th place, but again, they've earned some leeway for at least this year because of the way they finished last year, because honestly, they are still within striking distance of the playoffs. There have been injuries, you know, so they, they can point to a lot of negatives that haven't worked out in their favor. So as the way Loomis has operated, that's the other thing you got to consider. They've kind of been a hands-off approach. They've let Dell Dems pretty much reign supreme which I honestly think is a good thing. I think you need to trust the general manager. You need to trust your basketball minds to execute and build the best team possible. Uh, if they fail, that's where you make the change. So I think that's what we'll see if they fail uh, come season end, but not in a month's time, no. David, uh, I'm interested to get your take on this. I think the Pelicans are going to have difficulty trading that first round pick, and here's why. The Pelicans right now sit, I think, seventh in the Tankathon ratings, meaning that their pick could potentially be a very, very good player. But when they shop that pick to other teams, other teams are going to anticipate that the Pelicans are going to start winning at some point, and that pick will fall somewhere closer to 15 and 20. 
Do you think the Pelicans are in a position where they can't trade their pick based on their value of the pick uh, relative to the value that other teams designate to it? I mean, I, at this point, if I were be, if I were in Dell Dim's shoes, I wouldn't touch the first round pick. Um, because like Ali said, I'm, I'm more interested at this stage. Look, I mean, you know, that's simple. They have to win 29. They have to go 29 and, and 15 the rest of the way to match what they did last year. And in the West, that's going to be very difficult. I mean, you're talking about the, the, whoever finishes 14th in the West could be a team that wins almost 40 games. So for them to go win two out of three, basically the rest of the way is, is would be an amazing feat to pull off for any team, let alone the New Orleans Pelicans with their state of disarray. So I think you just have to play the season out. If you feel like you can move, you're going to lose either Miritich or Randall and you've got to unload one of them and package them with a Solomon Hill or so, then do that. But that first round pick to me is something you hold on to um, because when you do get to the off season and if you're, when you're put in that position where it's time to trade Anthony Davis, I'd like to have that in the pocket. Um, that would just be me. I don't want to give anything away for the future right now because the future is so uncertain. Alfred Payton may not be back either. He might get a deal and decide Anthony's leaving. I'm getting off this ship too. So if everybody's going to be heading off this ship, you can't give away the first round pick. Kevin, that's another interesting point. I don't think the Pelicans can trade Julius Randle, Nikola Meritich, or Alfred Payton because I don't think it makes sense to take back long-term salary in their place because in the inevitable departure of an Alvin Gentry, Adele Demson, Anthony Davis, you don't want to have money on the books in the summer of 2019. You want a clean slate for the next general manager. Do you think the Pelicans are in a position right now where Dell Demp's hands are, are virtually tied except for like smaller moves like a second-round pick for Justin Holiday per se? Yeah, I I think right now because there has been very little like performances that give you hope. I think it's hard to trade that pick, even though you know normally I'd be a guy that's very much willing to trade that pick for a young veteran that's gonna help out on this team. But with so many questions and with the hole we've dug ourselves into, it's hard to 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 want to trade that pick because it's probably going to be a good pick and then you can always trade it in the offseason if things uh right themselves a little bit and you need to add things um but if we get towards the trade deadline and we're pretty much uh, you know eliminated from the playoffs you know uh, i would think i would start to look to un- unload some of those other guys because the writing's on the wall um but the problem is is that with this situation, if you're going to lose Anthony Davis or if you're going to miss the playoffs um, and then probably lose him, it's hard to say that you're going to put, you know, the future roster shaping in the hands of Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry, who probably won't be back. Um, because if, if all that happens, if Anthony Davis does say he wants to leave, um, then I think you just start over and you bring in a new GM and a new uh, coach and I, I don't I don't think I'm not trying to criticize those guys because you know I mean I've been critical of Gentry a lot throughout his career but I think you know he did a great job the second half of last season this season whatever is happening maybe is partially his fault maybe it's not it's hard to put it on him um Del Demps I think he made a lot of good moves throughout his career here he had a lot of bad luck he had a couple of missteps here and there but at some point when the team just can't win sometimes you just need a change 
for a change instead of rolling out the same thing over and over again. And especially if you're talking about like another franchise, this would be the second, you know, franchise cornerstone that Dell Demps would be trading away. And I just think that you, uh, one GM shouldn't do that. You know, I think you need to put it in the hands of somebody else. Um, and I like Dell. It's just the the situation that he's in. It's just, I don't think you, I think you just need to make a change for the locker room, for the culture and bring in a whole new idea of how to build a team, especially when you're basically going to be starting from scratch. But, you know, if you could trade off, you know, if you know that you're done, that the, the, the playoffs are out of, out of the picture, then I think you got to start looking to maybe move a guy like Randall to a team, you know, that, that could use him, you know, cause he's got an $8 million deal. And that's not that that bad if you could find some expirings or somebody with like a smaller salary that's, you know, um, multiple years in that to make that all work and maybe get some picks back because you need a retool. You know, I mean, we have no bench. We have, uh, you know, you're basically going to be starting over. Obviously, if Anthony Davis wants out, you're going to get a huge haul for him to help you start rebuilding with. But every piece that you can get um, in the meantime is something that they should look into. Um if, if we get to that situation, I'm not saying we're at that situation yet. Um, but I definitely, I, I don't, I wouldn't trade the first round pick right now. I'm with David on that. Um, but let's see how the season plays out, see where it falls. If Anthony Davis recommits and you have a good pick um, that you can trade to add a piece, I'm down for that. Or if, the, or if they have a prospect they like where it's coming, you know, start building through the draft again, um, see how that goes. But I think, you know, it's hard to imagine a world where we don't make the playoffs and Anthony Davis wants to stay. Um, and if that's the case, then, you know, I don't think you can continue with the with the structure that we have. I think it needs to be retooled and start over from scratch. All right. This one's from Tejeda. He says, are any of you guys nervous that other GMs know that the Pelicans desperately need to trade and might put their asking price higher? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and answer that one. I'm not particularly nervous about that because you can just see uh, how how valuable a commodity first round picks are this year. No one is dealing them. Their value has never been higher, not just because of the promise that they represent, but also because of the scale of the salary. You need good players on small uh, to close to minimum contract. You can't continue giving these guys, uh, you know, $9 million a year, $18 million a year, like the Pelicans have been doing for the past years. You need guys who can contribute at a smaller asking price. So I wouldn't be nervous about that if and when the Pelicans do trade a first-round pick. There are going to be a lot of teams interested in unloading players. Um, let's go ahead and answer New Year's resolutions for the Pelicans. Ollie, let's go out on kind of a, a more positive note. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Pelicans have a very easeable uh, – easable a winnable slate of games coming up it's going well for me uh against the Cavs, <laughs> against the grizzlies against the wolves against the Cavs again what is your new year new you resolution for the pelicans ollie <sighs> well it's not going to be that i'm going to take any losses hard anymore because that ended about a month ago uh <laughs> all right let's be positive here let's say that This is a hard one. Go to somebody else first, Preston. <laughs> I'll go ahead and start with it. 
Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. <laughs> Obviously, clutch is going to be uh, you know, clutch uh, scoring is going to be somebody's answer. But mine is just going to come out with urgency on the defensive end, communicate uh, and and start games fast, start games hard, start games with effort. I think when Pelicans get out to a good start, that's when they're at their best, not necessarily offensively, or that is something that we have said in the past with Nikola Meritich being healthy and being back on the floor. The Pelicans simply can just outrace guys, but just buy in from the tip. I think it's simple. I think it's something these guys can definitely do. It's easy enough. Just pl- practice urgency from the opening tip. Uh, Joe Myers had a had a funny quote last night where they got within eight with something like four minutes left, and he actually made David Wesley chuckle. He said something like, "Down to eight points. That's the closest we've been since we got off the bus." So I I, I just think that's that's a situation that the Pelicans can't find themselves in anymore where Anthony Davis is forced to play 40 minutes because they're playing from behind all game long. So practice urgency. That's my New Year's resolution. Let's go to David. I guess mine would just be um, play without fear. You know, whatever, for the whole organization. I mean, you know, stop being afraid if Anthony's going to leave. Stop being afraid of what guys, you know, mistakes they're going to make if you're, you know, if you're the player, if you're the coaching staff. At some point, they just have to stop being, you know, play without fear, coach without fear. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen this season. But, you know, don't coach or play because of, you know, if I make this mistake, I'm going to the bench. If if we don't win this game, Anthony's going to leave. If this doesn't happen, don't worry about any of that. Just play without fear. Go out there. This game is this game. And at the end of the season, the record will be what it is and people will make the decisions they make. But, you know, I think that's that's been a big part of it is all those clouds that are lingering over the franchise. Hey, man, you can't control any of that. Just just go play basketball. All right, Kevin. Uh, I want to say communication because I think even, at, you know, obviously with Alfred Payton, the offense hums. Um, we've even seen without him that we can score points. Scoring points is not a problem, but communicating on defense, it would be key to get this defense, uh, you know, righted and fixed. Um, so, Hopefully they can get improved on-court communication and maybe even some behind-the-scenes communication so they understand people's motivations, what they want to do, what the future is, and they can start planning that way. Um, but, yeah, I think just better communication across the board would be my New Year's resolution for the Pelicans. All right, drum roll, please, Mr. Ali Cosell. I love yours so much, Preston, and I'm so tired, just like David is, of hearing somebody in the locker room talking about, well, we still got X amount of games left. We're not too worried. We did this last year. I do not want to hear that one more time. Even last night, Alvin Gentry was talking about how, you know, there's still plenty of games left on the schedule. So along your lines, Preston, that sense of urgency, I just want that mindset. Like, no, not tomorrow, not maybe next week, today. So that, that's mine. All right, you guys, remember you can follow Ali at Ali Cosell, Kevin at Kevin B for Bounce, David at DM Grub. You can also find his words at Crescent City Sports. The rest of us are on thebirdrights.com. Of course, you can follow me at Preston Ellis. Uh, let's go around the room one more time. Ali, talk about some stuff that you've got working on. Uh, what what can our readers find on thebirdrights.com right now? Oh, well, we, we've had some good pieces. Zach put one up. We're going to put up a trade piece today from Charlie. Uh, basically adding depth to the Pelicans. I'll let you guys read that for the actual details, so I'll keep you in suspense. And I myself, I want to take a good hard look at this defense, this effort, maybe see if I can find, you know, just some explanations for it and compare it to years past, especially with AD, because I just don't seem to recall 
Anthony ever having issues for where he just doesn't play for half the game. You know, we kind of saw it start happening last year, but this year it's really just it's happening a lot. And with him being one of the leaders, the whole team just seems to follow that vibe. So I just want to point that out and, and just see if I can look at some video and stuff and explain it. All right, Kevin, what about you? Uh, you're going to make me write something about this team? Oh, my God. I thought we were friends. Um, yeah, I don't know. All the joys have been kind of sucked out. I do have an idea for an article, um, and basically it's going to just allow me to talk about something else while sort of talking about basketball to make myself interested in writing it. Um, I don't want to give too many details yet, but I'm going to get on it this week. I was going to start it uh, Tuesday, but uh, after that win, I was like, ah, maybe this isn't the right time for that. But then, you know, the Pelicans that we've known and loved all the season have come back. And so it is the right time again to write something a little bit more negative, I guess. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's it for me. All right, grab. What about you, sir? Well, now that I'm back and healthy, you know, I'm just trying to start catching up on my writing. So I'm, you know, breaking down some stuff today, trying to put some thoughts together, but there will be something up soon. I just haven't made it concrete yet. So, but stuff is coming. All right. We want to thank all you guys for uh, spending your time with us. Obviously, it's not a great time to be a Pelicans fan, but I do think there will be uh, happier days ahead, obviously, with this slate that we've mentioned now four times. The Pelicans are going to win some games. I don't think they're going to finish the season on this note. That would just be the most dreadful feeling possible. So let's try to stay positive. Uh, Remember the good things. Remember uh, what a great season some of these guys are having individually. And if you would have told us a year and a half ago that Drew Holiday would be playing like this, I think we all would have been... um, you know, high-fiving and and hugging in slow motion a la 80s sitcoms and videos. I'm talking too long. Pretty much uh, remember to retweet, subscribe, rate us on iTunes at The Bird Calls. Uh, If you guys want more podcasts, just let us know. And you can let us know by doing that, by sharing, by spreading the word, and by listening and downloading to our podcast. So thank you guys once again, and let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send him my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.